Welcome to Dr. Zoe Today, where the topics are always real, raw, and relevant about love, sex, and relationships. Warning, do not listen to this show if you are sensitive to controversial issues or easily offended. Dr. Zoe and her guests are not to be held liable for any shock, pissing of the past, sudden desire of change, or uncontrollable laughter. Now, here's your host, Dr. Zoe. Welcome back to Dr. Zoe today. Tonight I have with me a very unique, original rock star who is just the essence of our tag here on the show, Real, Raw, Relevant Pop Sexuality. He's currently a sexy, singing, sensational internet superstar who is even in the boy band Menudo as a kid. Welcome to the show, Angelo. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Before we get started, I want you to tell all my listeners the best place to check you out right now. All right. Well, everybody that is curious about me, I invite you to join my Facebook page. It's um, facebook.com slash Angelo Garcia Cantante, which means singer in Spanish. And that word is spelled C-A-N-T-A-N-T-E, Cantante, with the English, American accent. Um, <laughs> my Instagram is Bigums, B-I-G-U-M-S, which is my nickname. And my um, Twitter is at Angelo Pop Music. Um, other than that, um, that's my way to get in touch with me. So I hope to, you know, connect with all of you really soon. Awesome. Awesome. Tonight we're going to talk about everything from bullying, which you're really passionate about, being free in your sexuality, which we're both very passionate about. And we'll be ending the show. We're going to end the show with your new hot single, Delusions of Grandeur. But before we get... Before we do all that, I want to hear a little bit of your backstory. So tell me, Angela, where did you grow up? I'm a New York City boy. I'm a city boy. I was born and raised in New York City, which I feel is an amazing experience because growing up in a huge city like New York, you're exposed to so many different cultures and so many different religions and views that it's almost like you're definitely more um, desensitized to people's differences and you're more accepting and open. So I feel really fortunate that I was raised in New York because I always looked at people like my dentist when I was a little boy. He was this Indian man, and he had this huge turban, and he looked like a genie. And for (laughs) me, it was just normal to whereas anyone else, it would probably freak them out, but it didn't freak me out because, you know, I mean, that was just the norm for me. Right, right. So what nationality are you? What nationality were your parents? Well, I'm definitely a mix. My, um, I'm Spanish, Dutch, German, and Puerto Rican. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Did you have brothers and sisters? I have um, an older sister and a twin sister. Oh, you have a twin. Wow, yes. I never knew that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What were you like as a little kid? Like, what was your personality like when you were a little kid? I was, I was Dennis the Menace. <laughs> I, was rambunctious. I was rambunctious You know what, it isn't that I was a bad kid Because Dennis the Menace wasn't an innately bad kid His curiosity would get him in trouble Yes, yes, yes so And that was me <laughs> Let's talk about how you got your start in Menudo How did that happen? Well, um, I'll even go before that I come from a musical background. All of my mom's side of the family is, my mom's a mezzo-soprano. She's an opera singer. All of her brothers and sisters either sing or play an instrument or write music. So I was fortunate enough to be raised, immersed around music. Mm -hmm. My training is in opera. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been um, taking vocal um, lessons since I was three. The first song that I learned was The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow from Annie. All right, sing a little bit of it. Sing a little bit of it. (laughs) Let me see. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Awesome, awesome, awesome. (laughs) Anyway, that's awesome. So, Menudo, how did that happen? What, so, what's the story there? So, when I was um, 10, um, my grandparents had 
um, they still do have actually both. My grandparents died, but my uncle manages it now. My grandparents had a coffee and tobacco farm on the island of Puerto Rico. Mm. So that's one of my connections to the island. So every summer we would venture to the island to visit my grandparents and have fun on the farm and just, you know, unwind and relax. And my mom sees a commercial on TV for auditions for a boy band called Menudo, and they were looking for kids between X age and X age that could sing and that can dance, and I've always been musically inclined, so my mom's like, you know what, she's like, just on a whim, she's like, let's go just for fun, since you love to sing, she's like, let's, you know, start to soak your feet so that you could get exposed to singing in front of people, so I was like, all right, let's do it for fun. And I went and I sang two songs. I sang, when you're little, your voice is really high. So for me, it was easier to sing girl songs than boy songs because my voice was a soprano at 10. So um, I did Who's That Girl from Madonna. And um, remember that song by Tiffany, um, Could Have Been So Beautiful? I, I don't remember, song. but I just remember being a little kid growing up in Jersey, and Tiffany <laughs> was, like, on tour in the mall, yeah. and we were like, oh, my gosh, we got to go see Tiffany at the mall. You know, like, so that was, like, the thing, you know. But, yeah, I remember her. But that's awesome. So you did a Madonna song and a Tiffany song. And then, and then needless to say, it was, like, a week later, they were offering me a recording contract. We awesome. signed the contract. A month later, I was touring the world. That is awesome. A month later, you were touring the world. So what was it like? You were in this famous band. What are some of the experiences, some of the awesome experiences that you had? You know what? Being a little kid so young and being thrown into the spotlight at such a young age, I don't think that I knew what the hell I was getting myself into, to be honest with you. It was a whirlwind. In the beginning, it was a little bit... um, was a little bit uncomfortable because I wasn't used to all the attention and yeah. um and it was a lot to digest but then you get desensitized to it and it was actually an amazing experience. I mean I call Menudo the high my high school in the music industry. Yeah. I learned so many things from it. I learned yeah. how to manage crowds. I mean the largest crowd I've sung in was in front of a hundred thousand people. Wow. Um so it's like I learned how to manage the masses you have to learn how to be quick on your toes. It taught yes. me to express myself. It taught me to be fearless. It taught me to be shameless. And it taught me to really own my prowess. So I really am thankful that I was fortunate right. enough to have such an amazing experience. So and a purpose, I got to see the world. Yes, and so young, too. What? So what ages were you in? How old were you when you were in the band? I signed my contract at 10, and it a week later, it was my 11th birthday, and then I was in the band for three years. I recorded three albums with the band, two of them with Ricky Martin, because Ricky Martin was in the band as well. Um, and um, and then I exited the group because my parents were kind of thrown off because I was never home, and it yeah. was a lot more of a responsibility. You know the way that I yeah. look at it? The way I look at it is when you're 11 and you're thrown into a band that is so huge, like Menudo, and you have 4 a.m. wake-up calls to do the 6 a.m. morning show, then you're doing press all day, then you have your concert, then you have to do the night show like the David Letterman at at night, and then you get to the hotel, and then you sleep for three hours because you have to be up again to do the next 6 o'clock day morning show. Those are adult responsibilities thrown on a little child, so I basically basically lost my childhood at 11. Well, just a little tidbit of history for our listeners. Menudo started in 1977 and really went on until 2009, but I don't think it had the notoriety it did when you or Ricky Martin were members of the band. The strange thing is, Angelo, is that it's public fact that every time one of the members would either get too tall, grow facial hair, their voices would go through a change or deepen, or they hit their 16th birthday, they were replaced. 
so I'm sure you're familiar it's with Manito, that. The concept of Manito and what Manito represents in, in the Spanish language is something young, mm. something small, small change. Um, so as a result, it's like when you get to the age where you start growing facial hair and your voice changes, you're no longer fit into that box. So as a result, the concept of Menudo was keeping the boys young so that it represents what the name of the group is. So what they would do once the member got too old was they would give them a farewell concert and they would introduce the new member. So they would like put... And that's the way it was. So I was in one of the, I was fortunate enough to be in one of the incarnations of the band where we had a lot of success. Yes. Like yes. when I was in the band, we were touring the, um, the United States with like the Cover Girls and Expose, which were huge bands right. in the 90s. And it was so much fun. I mean, I am so lucky. I got to like, I know practically the whole entire United States, all of Latin America, Europe, and it's things to being in that band. So, that I mean, what awesome. an experience. That is so awesome. Now, Angelo, I know that it was an amazing time for you, but you also went through some tough, even violating experiences while you were in the band as well. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, <clears throat> well, I was actually even before the band. Let's um start before. I... You know what? Life teaches you lessons and you go through things. And it's so cliche what I'm about to say, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And one of the things that I went through in life, I was sexually molested from the age that I was probably about eight until I was um, 14. Mm. And it was when I was eight, it was from a neighbor. When I was in Menudo, it was no one in the administration of Menudo. But it was someone that was close to the administration. Okay. So I was sexually molested by someone there. And then when I got out of Menudo, it was a teacher. Okay. So um, So while you're in Menudo and you have this crazy schedule and all this notoriety is happening mm -hmm. and fame and success and all these things are happening, what was going on? And just to be clear, it wasn't anyone in management or administrative, but it was like a friend friend of the band. Is that a friend of someone that lingered around the group? Okay. I was exposed to a lot of fucked up things growing up. And one of the things when I was in the band, because we didn't have supervision, I didn't have my mom and my dad around to guide me and to coach me. Like I said, I was thrown into an adult responsibilities. All we had was one handler, which he did the best that he could. But once the lights were off and once we were supposed to be in bed in our hotel rooms, it's like whatever would happen would happen. So this person would come into my hotel room and we would like play like card games and then he would make it seem like if we were playing a game and so what we would do was like if whoever would lose the like card game would have to take a shot of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And this is me at 11 years old. Imagine. So I would get, so he would get me drunk, and then when I would pass out, the only thing that I know is that I would wake up the next day and I would be naked in my bed. Okay, so, so this went on, did this go on the whole three years that you were in the band? or was The it entire a- time, the entire time I was in the band. So the entire time you were in the band, and so we're talking like a couple times a week, or was it often? It, or? Was, more, it was more sporadic than that, because that okay. person did not work for the band, so it's whenever he would linger around. Let me ask you this. Was it sure. happening to anybody else in the band that you're aware you know of? No, I can only speak about myself. I Absolutely. have no clue. I understand. I have no but clue. No but my common sense would tell me that if it was happening to me, Probably, but I don't know, and I don't want to say. Okay. But, you know, being a psychology major that I am, it's like usually predators, you know what I mean? When they stalk, you know, children, they're going to stalk any child that they feel is vulnerable. Right, but none of the other band members (laughs) had come to you and confided in you that this was happening. Did you tell anyone that this was happening? 
I was too afraid to, at the time, I felt ashamed. And you know what I mean? It's like when you're a kid, you don't understand. It's like when you're thrown into something like that and when someone's touching you or when someone's violating you, you don't understand. And for a long time, I felt that it was my fault. I was like, what did I do that made him want to do that to me? And I carried that resentment and that guilt inside my heart for a really, really long time. Okay, let's say that for all the people listening that's gone through things like this, this is helping so many people right now because you've never talked about this before, have you? It is the first time I've ever talked about it. But you know what? I'm like an open book. I am not ashamed of the experiences that I've been through because you know what? They've made me the human being that I am. Absolutely. And those things have made me more compassionate towards the world. And they have made me long and yearn to be a ray of light for the world instead of a dimming darkness. You know what I mean? I get, Some people get a thrill out of being supercilious and disdainful towards others and bringing people down. And call me crazy, Zoe, but I actually got a thrill out of lifting people up and seeing their eyes light up when you, you know, commend them and when you praise them for their strengths instead of nitpicking and pointing out their weaknesses. Absolutely. Angelo, let me tell you this. There are so, this is so common. I, I was molested as a child. You know, you were raped and molested. I've been raped later on in my life. This is so common and it's people like you and I that are not afraid to talk about it that can shed a light and let other kids other people know that they're not alone in their experiences and they didn't do and that it's not wrong. their fault and that it's right. not their fault because you know what so many kids get molested right yes and and I mean I've studied psychology, and what we've learned is that a lot of substance abuse problems and a lot of personality disorders like hoarding derive from trauma. And most of those traumas derive from being violated as a child. So it's really disheartening when you see people that suffer what I call the side effects of a malicious predator. that wants to take advantage of a vulnerable child who is naive and doesn't understand the world and does not see the world with the malice that an adult does and takes advantage of that um, to the point where it causes emotional scars. I mean, I carried so many emotional scars for so long. And I used to pray to God, and it got to the point where I even felt like um, that God didn't love me and that God didn't, I didn't feel worthy of God's love because I felt like there was something wrong with me. Right. I felt um, abandoned. I felt like God abandoned me because he allowed this to happen. And so I totally understand. And I think that we have a lot of awareness when it comes to child abuse, but it's mostly physical or mental, verbal abuse. We don't talk about sexual abuse enough. So I think being a mouthpiece, and coming out on my show and talking about this is so huge for your fans, for my fans, for everyone. So I want to commend you on that, and thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. So, thank you for being so open with me about it. Okay, so now currently you're like this gorgeous, <laughs> better-than-looking Greek god. You're beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you're absolutely <laughs> beautiful, man. You've got, got you. some tough stuff. You've gone through bullying, too. You have no idea. You're this positive ray of light, and you have so many fans, and I think it's amazing. But these are the things. Adversity is always the greatest launching pad for success is what I always say and what I've always said. And you're currently, you even go through some bullying now with, like, (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Let me tell you a story with you. There was this dude actually three days ago, and um, he came on my page, and because he, I don't understand people that go on other people's pages and simply for the simple fact that they don't like something are going to tell people what he told me. He was like, I didn't deserve to live in this world. Somebody should kill me or I should commit suicide. And so what I did was I took a screenshot of his comment and I posted it on my wall. And then I posted a really positive thing. Let me read it to you so that you can see how I turned the negative into a positive. And the reason why I posted his 
um, photo was to show people because I'm sure that a lot of other people have people like that in their lives. So I wanted yeah, to show I them. I, I know I do, but I just think that when you're unique and you're authentically yourself, it intimidates people. And it you're makes so people really uncomfortable. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, this show makes so, people um, uncomfortable. But go ahead, read me what what did you respond or what did you put up? Oh, it's like I always um, try to turn my neg- I'm looking for it right now. I always try to turn my negatives into positive, and I was rubbed the wrong way by like what he said. So I was like, you know what? I need to shine a light on this and teach people that only because people treat you disdainfully and try to put you down doesn't mean that you have to believe what people say because you know what? Some people try to put you down, and when people talk shit about you when they don't even know you, it's a reflection of them. It's not a reflection of you. Exactly. So it's Absolutely. important for people to realize not to believe the lies and not to believe the bullshit that people that hate on you superfluously put you through because in no way, shape, or form is it a reflection or a reality about who you are. Exactly. It shines a light about who they are. So this is what I said. I was like... Look at the shit I deal with on a daily basis from people that for some reason or another hate me when they don't even know me. I still somehow see the beauty in the world and the kindness of humanity. You know why? Because I never allow myself to let bitter, angry people steal my inner joy and hunger for life and success. That is something nobody will ever take from me. Remember this. People only affect you if you allow them to. Never allow people like I won't say his name, and turn to your brain and poison your spirit and your self-esteem. Love yourself enough to realize that you are amazing and above all, be the opposite of, I'm not going to say his name, to treat those around you with love, respect, and kindness. That and that's awesome. what I taught. That's what yeah. I taught my followers. It's like, look, I go through this too. People are hateful to me too. I get bullied just like you. I am no different about- than you. And your followers on your Facebook fan page is, is like almost 500,000 people, which is amazing. It grew, it grew over 4,000 people in 24 hours. <laughs> that is so cool. That is so cool. But bullying is something that happened to you when you were a kid, too, because you were different, you were charismatic, you stood out from the crowd. So when, it's not just something that you're dealing with now because of who I you are. Menudo, when I left Manito, let me share. Oh my God, my dogs are like barking. Sorry. When I left Manito, and my parents decided to take me out of the group because they were like, "There's too much responsibility." Trixie, quiet. They were like, "There's too much responsibility for a child," and they just wanted normalcy and to give me normalcy again. Um, and I was thrown back into school. I thought that kids were going to love me and that kids were going to be my friends because I had accomplished so much and and that they would be proud of me. Well, little did I know that the difference between being a, a normal kid and a kid that's in the spotlight is that when you're in the spotlight, you are praised for standing out and you are praised for being different. However, when you're thrown into a normal lifestyle, like we were talking about, it rubs people the wrong way when you stand out mm. or when you're different or when you shine because I was always the kid that was picked for all the solos in the school and I was like a, one of the smartest kids in my class and it would piss kids off because they were like, look at this like cute boy that is smart, that is talented. It's like, <laughs> fuck him, you know what I mean? It's like, why did he get it all? No, you know what the way I look at it is? We all have our special gifts and our special talents. Right. It's up to you to discover them because God gives all of us amazing pulchritude in his talents. Yes. We just need to undiscover them. And the way that you discover them is by discovering yourself That's and getting right. to know who you are as a human being. So as a result of that, I would get bullied to the point, and it got so bad, Zoe, like, let me tell you. To the point where it's like there was this kid, his name was Damien. Every day between my um, Spanish class and my English class, I was walking up the stairs and I already knew that I was going to encounter him walking up the stairs. And I was a really awkward kid because the way that I would dress, 
at that time, what was in style, it was like the real hip hop, the real baggy, the pants like yeah. all the way down past your ass, and um, <laughs> and I was the opposite. I was like really like black and dark, and I would wear skulls and combat boots and leather jackets. Like it was not. I was like I would stick out like a sore thumb. So you would always be like, oh, you're tight ass, and are you gay, and this and that. To the point that it was so, it gave me so much anxiety. And then um, I would, like, walk home from school, and I would get gang-jumped, like, several times a month to the point that one time it got so bad. I got beat up so bad that my face looked like the elephant, man. When that happened, I got so turned off by going to school. I would get anxiety attacks when I would wake up to go to school. I was like, fuck this shit. So what I would do was, instead of going to school, I would hop on the subway in New York City. I would fall asleep and set my alarm on my watch for... 30 minutes before it was time for school to get out. And then that's when I would head back home. And then I would get home and my parents would ask me, oh, how was school? And I would be like, oh, it was great. Mm. 72 days I skipped. Wow. Because I couldn't I, deal with it. Do you it. know how many kids are going through the same exact stuff right now? So let's talk about your new project. Speak of turning let's a talk about it. negative into a positive. So we're going to play Delusions of Grandeur at the end of this show, so everybody stay tuned for that. That is your video and single, hot single that you've released. But you have a new project coming out shortly. Talk about that. Oh, let's talk about it. So this next project is, my next single is called, I have a nonprofit foundation. Let's go to that first. Um, Everything that I've been through in life and because of all the teens that have committed suicide for X, Y, or Z reason because of bullying has inspired me. So what I did was like, I was like, something needs to be done. And there's nothing going on in the Board of Education that is preparing children and unveiling ignorance and actually guiding children and teaching them, what do you do if you get bullied? This is what happens when you bully someone. Why is it that children commit suicide when you get bullying? What does it do to your self-esteem? How does it make someone feel? So as a result of that, what I did was I'm actually creating a series of public service announcements. I wanna, I'm going to work with the Board of Education in order for them to have these public service announcements in the day, the first day of school when it's orientation so that it can teach kids what steps they need to take if they're getting bullied, if they see someone getting bullied, who do they need to talk to, what it is that they need to do in order to stop the insanity. Because you know what? Too many kids are committing suicide because of bullying. I've had three of my friends commit suicide because they felt so uncomfortable in their own skin that they just couldn't, they didn't feel worthy enough to be part of the earth. So they took their lives because they just couldn't handle it anymore. And all of that inspired me to create the public, um, a nonprofit foundation called Be Free Foundation. It's my labor of love. It's like what I feel is my life purpose on this earth is to inspire kids to to stop being supercilious and to actually rise above the negativity and be kind and treat others with love and treat others with respect. So as a result, it also turned into a song. I wrote this song called Be Free, and it's an amazing song. It's an anti-bullying anthem, and the chorus goes as such. It goes, be free, free to be who you are, bright like a shining star. Be free. Free to be just yourself. Just break out of your shell. So I'm so proud of that song. That is awesome. And, and, so and I just hope that it connects with people. So you're going to do a video of this song. And how? what do you think time-wise, what are you thinking for the release of that song and video? Probably by the summer. Excellent, excellent. That is so cool, Angela. I'm so proud of you, and I know so many people are so proud of you, and we need this in the world. We really do. Let's talk about your sexuality. So going back Let's to do you, it. <laughs> okay, so going back to when you were a kid, I know you had these unfortunate, you know, situations, but you as an individual, were you attracted to girls or boys or both? I was always attracted to both. Both. Okay. And um, when I was growing up, um, I never dated boys because, I mean, I always felt really, um, when I was growing up, 
um, I was grew, I was raised Catholic and then Jehovah's Witness. So when I started discovering that I was also attracted to boys, I was angry with God because I was like, why did you make me like this? What's wrong with me? So for a long time, I held a lot of resentment in my heart because of who I was, and I was really uncomfortable in my skin, and I felt that God didn't love me, and I felt that there was something wrong with me, and then one day I had an epiphany, and I was like, you know what, I was like, if God created the earth, and the heavens, and the universe, and everything's in such perfect balance, and if the Bible teaches us that God makes no mistakes, and that we're all a reflection of Him, then that means that there's nothing wrong with me, because God made me, and then that day, it was like a giant weight was taken off my back and I was finally able to feel comfortable in my skin and that's when I finally told my mom you know what I'm bisexual and I started you know exploring my sexuality and and dating boys and exploring you know women and men and trying to like find you know what it is that I like and then I got into I mean I had a long-term relationship with a girl which was my high school sweetheart then when we broke up I um, got into my first relationship with a guy, and we were together for four years, and we were engaged, so as a result of that, when you're engaged to someone, and that's your person, and you're going to be with them forever, right? Um, well, you're like pretty much committing yeah. to... You're pretty much committing to that person. So if I'm going to be with a man for the rest of my life, well, then I'm going to have to identify as gay because I'm going to be in a gay relationship for the rest of my life. So, so when I first came so, out... So this is why you came out and publicly said you were gay because you were engaged to a guy. I was, and I was okay. in love, and we were together for four years, and so I thought he was going to be my forever. So when I came out, I identified as gay because, well, I was marrying a man. I mean, common right. sense tells you if you're marrying a man, well, then right. you're in a gay relationship committed for the rest of your life. Well, then you're gay. When we broke up, I started, like, self-reflecting and, you know, trying to find myself because I felt lost. I mean, there's the person I was in love with, and it bro- we broke up, and it was really ugly, and it was really sloppy, and... I started to think, and I was like, you know what? It's like, I like guys, but I love pussy, too. So it's like, fuck that shit. I was like, like, why am I going to limit myself to just being with guys for the rest of my life? And it rubs a lot of gay people the wrong way, bisexuals, because um, they feel like bisexual people are confused. And the way I look at it is, if I can enjoy sex with a man and I can enjoy sex with a woman, if I meet a woman that I have chemistry with and I want to fuck, yeah. I'm not going to tell her that I don't want to have sex with her just because the gay community looks down on that. It's like, if I'm attracted to this girl and we have good chemistry and she gives me the butterflies and we're making out and it's right. like, you know what I mean? And I want to like take it to the next level. I'm going to sleep with her if it's two consensual people. I don't give a flying fuck what anyone thinks. It's like, if I meet a girl that I love and I'm really attracted to her and I'm really into her, I'm going to sleep with her. If I meet a guy right. that I'm really attracted to... Yeah, and let's make this really clear because a conversation that you and I had, I loved what you said. It wasn't just (laughs) about fucking. You said you do not want to limit yourself when it comes to your soulmate, that you you don't want to limit yourself to a gender when it comes to your soulmate. And I think that that is what this show is all about. It's about allowing people like you to express themselves, pop sexuality, modern sexuality, and I thought that was a beautiful statement. So let's talk about what kind it's of... It's like racism. It's like racism. Yeah, exactly. When I look at a human being, I'm colorblind. When I look at someone that's trying to throw me, I'm genderblind. Right, absolutely. It's as simple as that, and I wish people so, could understand the concept. It's about two souls and two energies connecting. It's not about... You know, wanting to have sex with a man or wanting to have sex with a woman. It's about what is, does your soul gravitate to? Absolutely. It's far Let's deeper than a sexual. A lot, of, a lot of people want to know, what are you personally yearning for in a partner? What qualities is Angelo looking for? Honesty is number one. Mm-hmm. Honesty, and you know why? Because if honesty isn't on the table, it's like if I meet someone and... 
Um, I'll give you a perfect example. When I first met my partner that I was engaged to for four years, when he, when we were both talking about, because when you first meet someone and you're connecting and you're getting to know who they are and their spirit, you put your cards on the table and you say what you want and you say what you love. And although when I'm single, I'm very sexually adventurous. I mean, I've had three ways and all of that, you know, I mean, I've explored my sexuality. However, when I'm sing- when I'm in a relationship, I don't want to sleep around. If I'm in love with this person, oh, that's my guy or that's my girl. It's like right. I don't want anyone else having mine. I'm very touchful. I'm like, that's my property. You know what I mean? Let me piss on that. That's my girl. It's like, you better not look. You better not touch. Back I the fuck off, bitch. I'm the same exact way. And I'm like, I'm in a relationship. Like, that's my calm. That's mine to enjoy. Like, I'm not I love it. You know what? Some people you know? are like, oh, I don't like feeling like a piece of property. You know what? It's like if my right. boyfriend or my girlfriend tells me you're my fucking property, that fucking gives me a hard on. <laughs> I, I, when, when some guy's fucking me and says I own this pussy, I love that. Yes. I love that. <laughs> my pussy. I own this pussy. Who's That's pussy? right. I love that shit. I love that. Okay, so honesty and uh, I value sure. when I'm in a relationship. This it's as simple as this. When I'm single, I enjoy variety. But when I'm in a relationship, monogamy. I value monogamy and yes. exclusivity more than variety. Yes. Simple as that. So um, be honest with me from the beginning. Tell me if you're the type of person that lingers, if you're the type of person that likes an open relationship, if you're the type of person that likes variety, well, then I'll know this is a person just for fun. Okay. And I will not another, be able to take it to the next level. Here's another important thing, and I love you, so I'm going to say this, okay? Yeah. So when you come into a relationship, it's so important. You you have self-love and you're self-fulfilled. It's so important that two people come into a relationship self-fulfilled and loving themselves first because you can't love anybody else the right way until you, until love, you yourself love yourself the right way. Also, another important thing is a spiritual connection. Is someone that you um, connect with on a not just a sexual level, not just an intellectual level, but a spiritual level as well. Like, I want somebody to understand. Your core values need to be congruent. Yes, yes, yes. If your core values are not congruent, the relationship is destined for failure. What I've learned is this. There's another thing that I will not um, there's five non-negotiables in relationships. For me, it's honesty. For me, it's loyalty. For me, it's um, my partner being able to read my untold signals, mm. which means if you're like, can I go out with the girls tonight? And I'm saying yes, but my tone of voice and my body language is saying no. Listen to my tone of voice and my body language. Don't listen to what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, some people lack the intellectual capacity to understand and see beyond. It's like, you say yes, you can go, but it's because you don't want to control your partner. But sometimes you want your partner to make you feel wanted and to make you feel loved and to make you feel that you're more important than going out with the boys or going out with the girls. Exactly. It's like having a best friend that you can look at them and you can read their mind. That's the kind of relationships I think that are most powerful. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to answer your questions. Let's Angela do it. We're going to answer your questions on love, sex, and relationships. Dr. Zoe has been a successful entrepreneur, philanthropist, and the confidential coach to celebrities, leaders in business, religion, and sports for over a decade. Take advantage and submit your questions on love, sex, and relationships via the Dr. Zoe Today app, drzoetoday.com, or simply hashtag AskDrZoe on Twitter. Be sure to tune in every week to hear your questions answered by Dr. Zoe and her guests. Your connection for pop sexuality. Okay, Angela, are you ready to answer some of our listeners' questions? I'm so ready. Okay, Allie wrote in. She said, I never had an orgasm, and I'm wondering if you had any ideas on what I could do. I feel bad for my hubs. We've been together for over 10 years. He says he's okay with that. I think he just says that to make me feel better. I do not masturbate, and I'm really not sure how to do it. And I just found out I have a tumor on my pituitary gland, and finding this out, it's doing things to my hormones and estrogen levels. I'm thinking that I might have that might have something to do with it. If you can help me, that would be great. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? 
I couldn't go first. I feel that if your partner's saying that he's okay with you not orgasm, he's a selfish motherfucker, first of all. Because I'm the type of person, it's like if I'm with a girl, I will eat her pussy for like 10 hours if I have to until she comes. <laughs> that's number one, and that's like one of my favorite things yeah, to do. Fans, Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So if your boyfriend's alright with you not orgasming, he's selfish, number one, sexually. And nothing that I hate more than a selfish sexual person that's all about them. I would suggest, this is what I would suggest. I would suggest that you go to the sex store and buy a bunch of sex toys, vibrators, dildos, and teach each other how to use them in order to give you pleasure. Toys can be a fun way to add spice and to add sizzle to your like sexual life. And I will assure you that you are going to come over and over again. <laughs> okay, I agree. I agree on the sex toys, definitely. What I think, though, Allie, is I think take yourself, first of all, get your hormones level straight because that's a, medical, that's a medical situation. Get your hormones in balance. Go to a doctor. Make sure you get those in balance. There's things you can do. You can also, um, there's a, there is a herb. It's called Royal Maca. Look it up. It's a natural herb. People take it like Viagra for men. They take it to boost their sexuality for women. It's called Royal Maca. Look it up. It's like female That's Viagra, right? Yes. Yeah, it's also for men, too. It's a herb that you can use, and it's all natural. So it comes in a capsule form. But if not, you definitely need to go to the doctors, get those hormones leveled out, number one. Number two, you said you don't masturbate. I'm going to tell you this, and this is what I tell all the women that write in and all of my clients that tell me they don't masturbate. Baby girl, if you don't come by yourself, you're not going to come with your man. I need That's you to right. some alone time. Use, if you have a detachable shower head, use water pressure. Use toys like Angelo said. Do whatever you have to do. You want to stimulate mm-hmm. your clit and get your clit going really good. Lick your fingers. Get it wet if it's not wet. Use lube. Do whatever you have to do to stimulate your clit. Play with your nipples at the same time. Get that toy in your pussy. You can make yourself calm. You need to start coming by yourself first. Then when you go with your man, you're going to know what get you turned on and what makes you calm. Then if you first of all, you should start having clitoral orgasms first. Then you start playing with those toys. I want you to Google G spots. I want you to find out how you need to rub yourself the right way to have mm-hmm. orgasms yourself first. Okay, let's go to And the next then step. train your partner as well because yes. you have to be vocal about what you want. I am like very vocal like with my partners. It's like I'll tell them what I like and I'll tell them what I don't like. So if he's like eating your pussy right encourage him oh yeah more to the left or more higher oh play with my clit oh play with my nipples tell him what you want it's yes. simple as ask and you will receive but if yes. you don't say anything don't expect your partner to read your mind and understand what's going on and what you need if you're not voicing your opinion that's true communication is definitely key in every relationship especially when it comes to sexuality okay Brittany, Brittany wrote in she put you and your friend with benefits were fucking and then you found out you're pregnant How would you go about telling him? Well, it depends, number one, on whether or not you want to keep the child or not. I mean, if you're you're not financially secure and if you're not prepared to be a mother and you're going to abort the child, then I would definitely, regardless, be honest and tell them, listen, I got pregnant and this is the decision that I want to make. But like I always say, honesty is key. Just take them to coffee, take them to lunch, and just... Be blunt. I'm a very. I'm from New York. We're very blunt. I would say, listen, we had sex. It was unprotected. I'm pregnant. What are we gonna do about this? Simple as that. Exactly. I agree with Angelo 100%. Matt wrote in. He put, "What's the most obscure place you and Angelo have ever had sex? Not together, separately." <laughs> I haven't met Angelo in person yet. But what's the most obscure place you've ever had sex, Angelo? Um. <laughs> I don't know if it's obscure. I'm pretty sure it's happened millions of times to people. I've had sex on an airplane, which was pretty weird. It was a long flight. It was from New York City to Rio de Janeiro, so it was, like, over 10 hours. So it was, like, and we were in first class, and we had those reclinable, like, super, like, chairs. And so it was dark, and we were horny, so we, like, had sex, and no one even realized it. I mean, it was, like, it was gold. (laughs) (laughs) 
best sex in places that you it know, is. I love it. I love the fact that it's like, oh, could you get caught? Could you not? Because it's the extra element of adrenaline, which yeah, makes sex so much yeah. fun. I think the I think the most obscure places for me is probably like sports arenas, um, definitely movie theaters and stuff like that. But there's one thing that stands out in my mind. I was at the drive-in, and he was driving a truck, and we put down the tailgate. And we fucked doggy style and tailgate. That was awesome. And Stranded then was at like, the job then. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and like everybody was around, but it was like really sneaky. Like my mini skirt was up and whatever. But you know, on balconies, on vacation, and oh, balconies know, like, is fun. Yeah. I was going into bathrooms and clubs and restaurants and being in the mix. Oh my like, god, totally. Oh, that turns me on so much. So I would say, you know, public places is probably the most obscure for me, and I always encourage people to experience that because it's really exhilarating and exciting. Okay. Absolutely. Rage Fuel Angel, someone on Twitter wrote in and said, do you think everyone is bisexual to some degree? Absolutely, 100%. I feel like sex is a line. And gay is on one side of the line and straight is on the other side. And whether or not you can get pleasure from the same sex or from the opposite sex, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand if two bodies are connecting and they're touching each other in the right way, that pleasure can occur. It's all about where it is that you fall on that line. Some people fall closer to the gay side. Some people fall closer to the straight side. Some people fall somewhere in the middle. And that's okay. It's whether or not you're comfortable enough in your own skin to admit to yourself that you could actually enjoy a pleasure with either sex. That's what the question is really about. That's a a really good way of looking at it. And I also think that everyone is bisexual to some degree. Um, I don't know how many women who are totally straight, married, and straight relationships have told me they always think of women when their man is eating them out. You know, I think that a lot of people are just scared to experience it. Absolutely. But I believe that both men and women are attracted to both sexes to some degree. And I agree with you socially acceptable to accept two women i feel that two men rubs people the wrong way more but it's because there's my psychology view on it men's biggest fantasy is to be with two women to whereas women are more reserved because it's all about how you're raised women wonder little what do the parents always tell them you better guard your pussy. Your pussy is like secret. <laughs> your pussy is, you know what I mean? You better not give it up until he puts a ring on it. Because I'm not, you're considered a whore, this and that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as a boy, it's like if a boy tells his dad, Dad, guess what? I fucked every single hot girl on the cheerleading team. What's the dad going to tell the son? That's my boy. So as if a girl tells the dad, Dad, guess what? I fucked every single hot boy on the football league. He's going to call her a fucking Jezebel whore. You know what I mean? So as a result, when you grow up, you carry those values that are instilled with the other child into your adulthood. So women tend to be more reserved sexually than men because men as children are teach that your seed, the more you spread it, the more of a man you are. Women are taught you better protect your vagina and you better put a ring on it. Right. So as an adult, and I'm not saying everyone because I don't like to generalize, but nine times out of ten men tend to be more sexually free than women. And it's because of that. So as a result, when men think about two women, it's like something that turns them on. Whereas a lot of women, when they think about two men, it's off-putting to them. And then two men men that are machismo... It's almost like it makes them feel emasculated to think about being with another man, but those are their own insecurities. Right, right. I understand what you're saying, and I agree to you to a certain extent. And I really believe that it does depend on the individual. Like you, had it, like you shared, you know, you thought something was wrong with you, and you thought God mm-hmm. didn't love you because, you know, I thought something was wrong with me because God made me a girl, and I'm so sexual. And like my whole, you know, history of relationships and everything, everyone be like, you're like a guy. Your sex drive is like a guy, and da 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 da. You're such a freak. I'm my kind of girl. And I'm just like. You know, uh, and I never, like, was one of those girls who I was always the one that was 
being a player instead of getting played. So it was like, and then when I got older, it was like, okay, I need to stop breaking hearts and get serious and really, like you've said, like look under the hood, see what's going on. Why do I keep on <laughs> yeah. cycles and all kinds of stuff like that? But I think it really depends on the individual. And I think there are some women out there that are like me that are so sexual and maybe they're repressed in some way. But when you shared, you know, I prayed and I had an epiphany, I had an epiphany. And one day I was like, you know what? God made me, just like there's fingerprints and snowflakes and they're all different, God made me as an individual. And so that's why we've built a lot of this show and even my company, Catapult Enterprises. Everything is your own individual definition of of success for the business and your own individual definition of sexuality for the show. So I, that's awesome. Okay, so next question. Has anybody ever caught you masturbating? Oh, my God, yes, and it was so embarrassing. <laughs> I was masturbating in my bathroom in New York City, and I had, like, the apartment. My room was the basement, which was set up like this, like, huge apartment. I had, like, my own kitchen, my own bathroom, my own living room, everything. Um, and my mom came down, and I don't know what got into my mom that day because she had never done this before, but I was in the bathroom masturbating, and for some reason she felt the need to pick the lock. Oh. And she picked the lock, and when she opened it, I was sitting with the toilet seat down, so I couldn't even make pretend that I was taking a shit. I, and she looked, and the Vaseline, like, the lotion was, like, still sitting on the counter, and I was like, fuck. And I was so embarrassed, because oh I was, like, caught red handed, literally, like, with the lotion in my hand and everything. I climbed out the window of the basement and, like, left, like, for hours, because I was so embarrassed. Oh, my God. Okay, we have another question for you. I want to get to as many as we can. We have a few more minutes, and we're going to play your single at the end of this, Delusions of Grandeur. Besides Latin pop, which are your other favorite genres, which artists, and which artists inspire you the most? Tia wrote that. I actually love, um, I love it all. God, I can't really pick. I love grunge rock from the 90s. Um, I love, I even love bubblegum pop. Like, I love the Spice Girls from the 90s. It's like a guilty pleasure. Like, when I'm feeling silly, I'll play, I'll play that. But I love it all. I mean, there isn't really a genre I don't like because there's the way that I view music. Music is, there's good and bad in all genres. Lately, what I've been listening to is a lot of, like, electro pop because that's what I'm been like singing like delusions of grandeur my new single is electro dance um so i've been listening to a lot of that but i can't really say that there's a favorite artists that inspire me are like people like um nat king cole because of how um his music was so innocent and charming and um i love um of course, like Michael Jackson, because musically it was like he was like a hit writer. He was a songwriter. He was a dancer. He was a performer. He was like a triple threat. Madonna, of course. Elvis for like all of his amazing music. The Beatles. So the list can go on and on. I okay. mean, those are the artists that inspire me the most. Okay. Allison wrote in, is Angelo Garcia single at the moment? Yes, I am. I've been single for probably about um, three years now since my um, breakup. And the reason why I did that was because when I was um, in that four-year relationship and it ended up so badly, that's when, remember, when we had the conversation yesterday that I was like, I tend to now look under the hood of the car before I, like, decide whether I want to have sex with the person or not. Needless to say, I started looking under the hood of the car, and I've been celibate for about a year and a half now because I don't feel that these are people that I've connected with and inadvertently what I want to do now is I want to find someone that's going to be my life partner so I view sex now um, I take sex a lot more seriously now than I did when I was in my 20s I understand what it represents I understand what it means to connect to an individual and how special that is when you connect with someone to the point that you want to give your body to them so Okay, next question. Mazzy says, Angelo and Dr. Zoe, in your opinion, what's the best music for getting it on? I like um, anything. I like dark, seedy, like, house music for sure. <laughs> I like, I, I like, oh, my gosh. I, I have a, 
actually, I have Dr. Zoe's jams on my app people can listen to, but I love trap music. I'm so into trap mixes right now. I love it, but go ahead. What else do you like? I like anything with a thumping, like, beat, but that sounds like almost like it should be, like, music that is played, like, in a bathhouse. <laughs> like that kind of music, like yeah. You know what I like too? I like old R and B, like sexy old R and B. But that's the type of music that you hear when you're in love, though. Yeah, like yeah, like that's the type of music you hear when you're in love, and it's not when you're fucking. That's music you hear when you're having. Yeah, okay. That's making so love trap, music. Trap, I would say, like, dance and, like, trap music to, like, make love or to slow dance or to, like, get really, like, raunchy and dirty but romantic. I would say old R&B. And, yes. Okay, let's see what – okay, here is a pretty long question. Yes, we have time. Okay, Cynthia, we had tons of them, so we're going to have to have you back on, Angelo. Okay, Cynthia, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, this is for Angelo. Kind of crazy question, I know, but in June I will be in Denver with my kiddos. I was wondering if you would like to have lunch with me and maybe talk to my 13-year-old about your experiences with bullies and how you got through it. She has turned to singing, and she is incredible, but she struggles. She tried to take her own life in January. Now I could completely understand if you're too busy or if it's uncomfortable meeting a complete stranger that won't change my mind about you. You're incredible and you have no idea how many topics you touch on and spread awareness about that directly <laughs> impact my life. It is completely platonic and I have no hidden agendas other than making <laughs> and helping my girl see she is not alone. Thanks for being you and keep spreading the word. Well, this is the way I see it. It's like I never like to make promises. Um, have your daughter contact me on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Angelo Garcia Cantante. Um, and, and I can like talk to her if I'm in town, when you're in town, of course, I would love to, you know what I mean? Okay. I would love right, to Jacob. meet like my supporters. Okay. So have your daughter contact him on his Facebook page. Jacob yes. writes in, how did Angelo get so ripped? <laughs> I've been working out for over 15 years, and the secret for getting ripped, you, yeah. Wait a, second, wait a second, I don't think people know that. He was a motherfucking personal trainer for years, too. And you for were over like 10 years. Yeah, like, like okay. I was the best personal trainer in New York. I was the number one grossing personal trainer at one point in New York City. I mean, mm-hmm. I was the go-to boy in New York City to, to okay. train, and I would bust your ass, and I would leave your body flawless. <laughs> <laughs> so the secret to getting ripped, it's um, you need to diet, and what I would suggest is high protein, low carbs, and definitely cardio. I would do 60 minutes a day, five days a week, and a high protein, low carb diet, and watch the ripness come out, and you will love it. Okay. Next question for Angelo and Dr. Zoe. How old were you when you first French kissed, and was it awkward? Yes, it was extremely awkward. I was 12 years old. It was to Purple Rain, and it was very awkward, but I ended up loving it and it got me addicted to many things and I think sex has been my only sexual matters and sexual things have been my only addiction go what how old were you when you first French kissed I was 12, and actually we were playing spin the bottle, so it was very innocent. I'm very typical for, like, a 12-year-old, yeah. like, the situation. I mean, the way you see it, like, in, like, like you know, the movies, like, My Girl and stuff like that, it was kind of like that, and we went in the closet, and we made out, and I got an erection. <laughs> Her name was Evelyn, and she's still friends. We're still friends. We're still friends. We're still friends. That is yeah. awesome. Okay, Andrea wrote in. She says, does Angelo prefer men over women? You've kind of already. I answered. would say that, like we were talking about before, I connect with the spirit, and whatever the spirit tells me is what I do. So I would say I'm 50-50 on that. Okay, we got a ton of other questions. Um, we got some questions about, like, your interaction on Facebook and how you respond to people who, like, say negative things about you. And <laughs> we got a lot of people that wrote in and were like, you know, well, if, you know, he's talking about bullying, but then he's going to call, you know, I don't know, I've got a bunch of questions here about, like, bullying and if you're going to be a leader of bullying, then, you know, how come you deal with people in the way that you do, like, you know, just, and I think it's just that you're defending yourself, but I wanted to give you an opportunity. I, I love that, that people ask that question. Finally, I'm going to be able to, like, tell the masses the way that I view things about bullying. Bullying 
is when somebody comes out of nowhere to attack somebody that's peacefully doing their thing, not bothering anybody, and trying to be happy and joyous and, you know, and positive to everybody. Right. When somebody stands up to a bully and tells them off because they're fed up at this person harassing you and putting you down and insulting you, don't expect me to just stay quiet when you're putting me down and calling me names and calling me fag and calling me, telling me that, oh, stick to your day job or telling me that I don't have talent or telling me that I'm on drugs or telling, accusing me of being on steroids and expect me to just sit there and allow you to basically publicly um, defame me on my page. Amen. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Amen. Any person with an inkling of intelligence can understand the concept that if someone's attacking you and someone's spitting at you, you're not going to give them a hug. You're going to give them a piece <laughs> of your mind. So Amen. I am against bullying and what I tell all of my soldiers on my page, and I will always say this, is that respect is earned. I'm not just going to give you my respect. I am going to bestow the same amount of respect to you that you bestow unto me. I agree. And And if you're getting bullied, you stand up for yourself. And that's what I do. I set my example, and when someone bullies me, some days I'm more passive because I'm in a better mood, and I will tell them, God bless you, or whatever, just delete the comment. And other days, you know what I mean? I'm human. I have good yeah. moods. I have bad moods. When I'm yeah. in a bad mood, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. And common Simple sense. Simple as that. <laughs> common sense is these are the people who are bullying initially. So what you're responding to bullying. So it doesn't make any sense anyway. You're just standing up for yourself, which you're, right. you know, of course, you should. And I will never stop doing it, and whoever has a problem with it, don't Fuck make you. your problem with the way I handle my bullies <laughs> my problem. <laughs> like I say all the time, people love me or they love to hate me, and I consider it all love. So love you, mwah, to all my haters. Mwah. Love you, mwah, mwah. Okay, so that's all we have time for tonight as far as the questions go. Um, I want you to go ahead and tell all my listeners where to keep up with you once again. So the best Go on my Facebook page, yes. facebook.com slash Angelo Garcia Cantante. That's Angelo Garcia, C-A-N-T-A-N-T-E. Or my Instagram, which is Bigums, B-I-G-U-M-S. Or my Twitter, Twitter at Angelo Pop Music. And don't forget to go on YouTube and enter Angelo, Delusions of Grandeur, and subscribe to my page. Go see my music video. Listen to my single. It's amazing. Delusions of Grandeur. We're going to play Delusions of Grandeur right now, and everybody go to his YouTube channel and check it out. And also, I want you to go ahead and give us a brief synopsis. We have a few minutes for you to tell us what this song, Delusions of Grandeur, is all about. The Reasons of Grandeur is a song that is talking about rising above supercilious individuals that try to put you down, that think that they know what you're all about, and that feel that they're above you for X, Y, or Z reason, whether it is that you're gay, whether it is that you're fat, whether it is that you're black, whether it is that you're Jewish, whether it is that you're a woman, whether it is that you're mentally challenged or have a disability. This song is about rising above and taking ownership and power of who you are, and the chorus goes as such. It really healed my heart in a dark period. And the chorus goes like this. You thought that I was weak, but I am strong. You thought that I would crumble. You are wrong. You filled my heart with mockery and banter, delusions of grandeur. You gathered, ascertained, tried to surmise. You thought you had me psychoanalyzed. You thought that I was blinded by your rapture, delusions of grandeur. So that's for anyone. I wrote that with, from the bottom of my heart for anyone that's ever felt that they've been kicked while they've been down. I hope awesome. you love it as much as I loved writing it. Awesome, Angelo. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I've had so much fun. Delusions of grandeur. 